hurtling towards damnation amidst the fear and despair of a broken human race who's left to fight for what's good and pure. I guess just me, um, this is your secret professor slash uh, night ruler broadcasting from the do not give an F studios, I suppose. I mean, really, I mean, let's address some basic facts for everyone. Number one, it is currently 1.18 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I am recording by myself because I am, of course, like many people, an alienated individual, divorced from the sweet and natural reality that most other non-human animals enjoy, which is a harmony with all other animals of their species throughout history. Human beings lack this, therefore they must do things such as write, uh, create songs, write screenplays for shitty action films, and uh, record podcasts. The second fact to address is that I really just wanted to check in on ya. I mean, this is our first episode of Dynastic Rule, placeholder title. I mean, have I released an episode of Night Rule in the last calendar year? No. Did I release an episode of Night Rule in the calendar year prior to that? The answer to that would also be no. Am I worried that even in the act of recording this, I am waking up not only my upstairs neighbor, but my sideways neighbor? Probably. I mean, it's very late. Let's be honest. Most people don't really do stuff at this hour of the day. So yeah, I mean, Handkerchief Dynasty, I guess the last episode of that released back in like November. So it hasn't been like super, super long. It's been long enough. So I mean, what I'm about to say is addressed more to the Night Rule fans than the Handkerchief Dynasty fans. So I'll just say, uh, hey, Night Rule fans, how's it going? I really uh, am 
thrilled and honored and I really have enjoyed the fact that uh, you've listened to my podcast up till now. Um, let me uh, avail myself of the opportunity to apologize for not releasing an episode of the podcast for uh, over a year. Possibly over two years? I don't know. Can the producer check that? Oh, wait, hold on. There's no one there. Um, what can I say, really? Ultimately, the universe and myself are both full of folly. And they both exist sometimes, certainly when they're operating at their worst, uh, in the realm of the willy-nilly, the flotsam and jetsam, the empire of chance that one succumbs to when one has not embraced uh, the fact that, yes, indeed, contrary to all other indications, one does have at least a modicum, at least a quantum of control over one's life. There is some say that is involved in the experience that we generally term as uh, being alive. I think Hegel. I'm gonna thank Hegel for bringing me back. I, 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 spiritually, creatively, and as a podcaster, mainly speaking as a as, as a podcast creator, as the creator of a mediocre, uh, generally ignored podcast. I will thank you know. I mean, of course, Ron Sexsmith, Stevie Wonder. They're always gonna be there. They're always gonna be there to kind of be the like spiritual uh, electric charge. Those what were those pedals called that you just zap people with when they're having a heart attack? But yeah, I think reading and or more accurately listening to some Hegel has convinced me that perhaps synthesizing my two podcasts, uh, perhaps combining them into one would not be uh, the worst idea. I mean, like, let's be honest, Handkerchief Dynasty fans, you'll listen to my bullshit. I mean, that much has been established at this point. I mean, the high priest, yes, he has been sequestered in the Grey Tower, along with the other uh, Merovingian uh, scholars and uh, warlocks. I mean, I don't want to talk about it right now. It's very difficult emotionally to talk about it right now. Okay. Anyways, my overall point, writ large, Handkerchief Dynasty fans, you know, like, you know I'm an Oilers fan, so you'll just basically listen to the shit, the bullshit I have to say on that basis alone. So with that established, perhaps I could do a solo podcast, you know, sans co-host sans guest although of course i would like to continue to have guests and co-hosts and uh it'll just kind of be like uh like what bill burr does bill burr along with hegel george william friedrich hegel as well as bill burr are the two main inspirations here because whatever you think of bill burr 
you know, he he does a podcast by himself, pretty much, just talking into a microphone. And in a sense, that does make him a kind of podcast Hegelian figure, in that he has truly established, without a doubt, that one can do a podcast with just themselves. Because apparently, under certain circumstances, under the ideal conditions, when an individual puts a microphone in front of them and presses record and just kind of lets it roll... Supposedly, I mean, at least according to the success of the Monday Morning Podcast, uh, that's something one can do. Um, For those of you that uh, don't listen to Bill Burr, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're at least vaguely aware of him. For those of you that haven't read Hegel, for those of you that have done the rational, logical, and uh, totally contemporary thing of just not really giving a shit about philosophy because generally it's... uh, let's be honest, not really a thing. Like, let's just keep it real. I mean, like, I personally, I was like, okay, I'm going to post-secondary, you know, even though, even though blank. (laughs) I mean, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily even necessarily all in to start, although kind of I still was. You know, take it alone, go to university, like, I'm going to take the classes I care about. And I thought to myself, well, fuck, motherfucker, I'm going to take uh theater classes i'm going to take classics classes i'm going to learn about ancient rome ancient greece i'm going to take latin i'm going to take plato i'm going to take aristotle you know like why the fuck not like why well, it's my time to shine and you know i just read enough kind of entry level kind of populist philosophy sophie's world uh will and ariel durant in high school so I kind of had uh, had a little bit of an onboard, I had an on-ramp already established. But like I knew even then, like all those classes, the classics classes, the theater classes, the Plato classes, the Aristotle classes, each and every one of the classes I took almost to, almost without exception, I even knew then, I was like, oh, I'm taking these classes in an institution that will, in a very short time, no longer support any of them, no longer have any interest in teaching them, no longer have any appreciation for the potential value of teaching any of these things. Because let's be honest, theater is dead, Plato is dead, Aristotle is dead, philosophy is dead, at least in our contemporary experience. Um, Of course... The opposite is very much true in the sense that these are all very influential things in the history of humankind. Um, but it's kind of funny. I'll never, I'll never forget my classics professor. He had so much nose hair. He had more nose hair than I've ever seen an individual have. I'll always admire him for that fact alone. But he was a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he kind of had the kind of, in some ways, standard, semi-suspicious, uh, uh, over kind of had the standard view of classical history anyways that's going to be a whole nother topic so for the handkerchief dynasty fans what are we what are we in here all right we're in 12 minutes so let me just say Mechanical man. 
mechanical man, two mechanical arms, two mechanical legs, I'm a two plus two equals four man. Yeah, I mean, Oilers fans, what can I really tell you? I mean, to be honest, I kind of put a pause on the podcast. I put it on hiatus because the kind of frisson of the midseason was just kind of too much. Like, back in even November, December, I was just like, you know what? Like, we just need to fucking throw ourselves into a snowdrift, cryogenically freeze ourselves, put a pause on the timeline. You know, time travel to February, March, and just... Because I had no doubt this team was going to be in the playoff hunt, in the race. I mean, the Western Conference Pacific Division is super tight. Um, but they've been in there. They've been right in the meaty, the meaty middle of that fucking playoff race the entire time. I mean, even with the ups and downs, the, the ebbs and flows, we've been there the whole time. Okay. So, I mean, I could have recorded a podcast every day. Just telling everyone, like, look, hey, just chill out. The Oilers, like all reality, are something that 
is a wonder to behold and also not necessarily under our control so just let's just temper our kind of investment and our uh, spiritual and psychological and psychosexual expectations here a little bit okay i mean what can i really say i mean the first thing you have to say as far as i'm concerned unless you're just completely blind to things that are really special and unique and are happening right in front of your eyes in that very moment. I mean, the number one headline right now, I think everyone can agree, is Connor McDavid. Connor McFucking David, 65 games in, 54 goals. 65 games, 54 goals. I mean, the dude is just like a machine. It's a historic season already, and there's still, what's 82 minus 65? Can anyone chime in here? Can we chime in in the chat and tell me what 82 minus 65 is? Okay, let's, let's break it up. Let's break it up into steps, everybody. So 82 minus 10 is 72. 72 minus, there's another 7 there, okay? So we got 7 plus 10, 17 games. So with 17 games to remain, you see how we just did the mental math there? Thank you, everybody. With 17 games remaining, 17 games in which anything can fucking happen. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's scoring like two goals a game. And just to let you know, Night Rule listeners, scoring two goals a game <laughs> for any length of time is not something that happens in the game of ice hockey. Just uh, in the same way, you know, Bernie Sanders uh, reigniting a populist undercurrent uh, across a broad base of the political society just wasn't happening for 30 years. Like, we're seeing Connor McDavid do something that someone hasn't done in 30 years, everybody. It's, it's literally like what we're seeing is someone who was already clearly uh, a length ahead anyone else in the game for years, for four or five years at least. We're seeing him level up other skill trees in his overall development. So he's putting XP into shooting and deceptive kind of quick shots off the rush and shooting five hole and i mean you don't score 50 he has two empty net goals everybody night roll listeners you don't really know know what that means but of his 54 goals only two of them are empty net goals he's literally just breaking the game he's a he's a he's a hegelian figure in the game of hockey literally for the next 50 to 100 to a thousand years people are going to look back at the career of Connor mcdavid and think to themselves, wow, what an inspiration, what one person could achieve. And I don't want to overshadow Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl has, uh, what, 41 goals in 63 games, 55 assists. I mean, he's second in league scoring. We, we're, we're exceptionally blessed. I mean, like each one of you listening to this podcast, like all Oilers fans, are blessed with uh, the fact that by sheer folly by sheer accident, by sheer will and determination. I mean, it's not by accident. It's will and determination of a specific group of people. You know, fantastic things are happening. I mean, if that doesn't give you hope, I don't, I don't know what the fuck else would. Um, 
you know, a Nuge, the Nuge. The fact that we have a player known as the Nuge, and he has fucking 78 points in 65 games. I mean, even just having a player known as the Nuge is enough to be grateful for. It's enough to make you take a step back and say, well, I'm really lucky. I'm cheering for a team that has a guy on it that people call the Nuge. Okay? I mean, Ted Nugent kind of put the kibosh on the Nuge, uh, I would say, as a, as a nickname. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins is uh, is doing a hell of a lot. And then, you know, Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman is like inspiration personified into a person. Child author, you know, he's writing children's books. He's perhaps like one of the most determined physical puck battlers in the history of the game. It's just like totally insane to see the way he battles to fucking maintain possession of the puck. It's like... I don't know if he's if he's in communication with aliens or Jesus or various rabbinical traditions. I mean, I know he's of the uh, Jewish faith, of course. I, I I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't think he's involved in Kabbalah. I don't know if I'm really into Kabbalah, but there's something going on with Zach Hyman where Zach Hyman has figured out, hey, if I just try harder than everyone else, every single literal fucking second i'm on the ice i can make stuff something happen it's like it's too bad that uh, reifenstahl made triumph of the will because otherwise if if reifenstahl hadn't made triumph of the will and the triumph of the will was a rubric ascribed to a work that was non-fascistic it would be about zach hyman because he is will personified Literally, when you watch Zach Hyman play hockey as a human being, you cannot but help think to yourself, wow, if you actually like try really, really hard and put a lot of effort into what you're doing, you can actually accomplish something. Even in a bullshit world where there's no actual meritocracy, there's no justice, there's no rationality, everything's fucking alienated and fucked up and short-term in its thinking and stupid and de-evolved and the nhl has no good referees the refereeing is just a fucking catastrophe on the level of all-time catastrophes even amongst all that an individual such as oneself such as myself such as any one of you the listener of this podcast Someone such as Zach Hyman, they can, by sheer will, by sheer effort, by sheer consciousness, sheer respect for the fact that they are alive and self-aware and conscious of what's going on around them and willing to engage and react and contribute to the creation of a new metaphysical reality. It's incredible, honestly. I mean, honestly, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, they're all doing that. They're all doing that right now. I don't even want to talk about the defensemen in a way. I don't even want to talk about the Oilers defensemen because they're so easy to malign. There's nothing easier to criticize than a neoliberal politician or a top four NHL defenseman because they're two of the hardest jobs 
in the entire world, in the entire history of human beings. I mean, on the one hand, being a neoliberal politician is to be soulless, is to be a monstrosity, a fraud, a fool, a liar, a, a manipulator. And to be a top four NHL defenseman, I mean, you're going to try and defend? You're going to try and defend these motherfuckers flying towards you at 100 miles an hour on fucking ice skates? Like, how, how do you defend that? I don't know how you defend that. It's It's got to be amongst the hardest jobs in the entire fucking world. I mean, like, nurse... Like, what the fuck, everybody? Like, we're just going to still fucking, like, pile on nurse as though he isn't, like, literally one of the best things that's ever happened to you? It's like... Most people, literally in the history of time, Darnell Nurse walks into their life, shows up, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm Darnell Nurse. You can call me Nursey. I'm here. Like, uh, you can count on me. I got this loyalty. There's strength. There's performance. Like, literally, there's almost no milieu in the history of human experience in which Darnell Nurse shows up and people don't fucking appreciate him, other than the present Oilers fan base. It's fucking ridiculous." Get over it. I'm so done. I'm so done. It's just how many hairs... How many hairs does a bald man have? That's all... That's all... That's all evaluating what an NHL defenseman is. That's all it is. And and with so much else, it's such a, it's such a misapprehension of the nature of reality to say, like, I know... How, how many hairs a bald man can have? And how many points and assists and what plus minus an NHL defenseman can have it's like you know what like it's a hard fucking job and sometimes motherfuckers have like male pattern baldness they're losing a little bit of hair like why do you gotta fixate on it like Darnell Nurse makes like one mistake over the course of like a couple of games and all of a sudden it's like oh fuck you Darnell Nurse come on Evan Bouchard really any player this is one of the things that's held me back from recording podcasts especially for the hockey podcast the last little while it's the idea that I'm just we're all just fucking arguing over how many hairs a bald man has you know what sometimes in some circumstances a bald man could have five hairs and he still looks bald sometimes a bald man could have 15 20 25 hairs and he still looks bald it's relative. Some truths are relative. And acting as though they aren't. Acting as though they're objective facts. We can just say, hey, you know what, Miko Koskinen? You know what, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? You're shit. Fuck you. You're garbage. Objectively. I mean, come on. Let's all take a step back. Let's all take a breath. Let's, ex- let's acknowledge the fact that the world is super fucked up and has dealt us a shitty hand. And we're all angry and frustrated and fucked up and alienated. And we want to take it out on Journal Nurse. We want to take it out on whoever the fuck else. AOC. I don't know. Like, you know what? Like, taking it out on them, what is that achieving? Okay? If you take it out, like, if, if you think Rob Shrimp sucks, and you think Rob Shrimp should eat shit, and Rob Shrimp shouldn't be in the game of life or the game of hockey, okay, fine. But are you going to go on a soapbox and just proclaim that fact? Is that what being a human being is? Just defaming and denouncing other people and telling them, hey, I'm better than you. You're this, you're that. I'm going to put a label on you and hit you with a stick because I'm better than you. Like, come on. We all know that's bullshit, right? Like, deep down, if we just take a second, I think we can all accept that really we're all fallible we're all human, we're all connected, okay? 
You know, if, if Evan Bouchard has a bad game, if Warren Fogle has a bad game, if Kyler Yamamoto has a bad game, if you have a bad day at the office, it doesn't mean you're X or your Y, you know? If you have five hairs, ten hairs, but no other hair, you're just, you're just bald. You don't need to, like, count the fucking hairs. You don't need to count the turnovers. You don't need to count the times... You've let other people down or disappointed them or been imperfect or spoken without thinking or spoken without being true to yourself. Like, why are we so hard on everyone? Like, how, how many times over the years have motherfuckers in the media been hard on, like, a nuge? Okay? And he, and look, look, let's, again, let's respect the fact that his, 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 his nickname is Nuge. Okay? I mean, he's got 78 points right now. But have has everyone just been like, hey... You know, this guy's great, or at least, like, worthy of respect, and, and maybe we shouldn't just criticize him uh, for whatever over... Like, we shouldn't be over-critical in our criticism, because you know what? He's there, he's a person, he's doing the best he can, he's compromised by his surroundings, and is is doing the best he can to achieve his potential as an individual in the face of adversity like all the rest of us. Like, why can't we just behave that way with everyone? Okay? I'm sorry. That's just the way it should be. And that's why I feel guilty that at 1.48 in the a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I'm recording this microphone and definitely probably waking people up, both below me and beside me. Sorry, people. The fans. The fans gotta hear this. Um, I mean, God... The world just can kind of continues to devolve as as a commentator as a, an individual capable of speech i don't think you can ignore the de-evolution it's really remarkable the way things are set up because really even the most even the most chivalric even the most even the, the paragons of virtue even the selfless even the conscientious are continually thwarted and compromised by the systems around them you know we still have a milieu where warren fogel has a good a bad game okay fuck you warren fogel fuck you for making millions of dollars i mean what did you make two and a half million dollars you know doing the thing you love how dare you be warren fogel and make two and a half million dollars doing the thing you love you know i mean no one's saying that right now because he's had a few good games but you know 20 games ago apparently that's just like a thing that we accept as, as a thing that we are completely com comfortable and have no reservations really about just participating in and on a certain level like that's just emblematic of the problem that's symptomatic of the problem everyone's alienated from each other we're we're uh set up to compete and to pull each other down and to exist in these kind of hierarchical selfish egotistic uh states of mind where it's like you know what like warren fogel like uh like fuck you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out like warren fogel was traded to fucking edmonton as far as i'm concerned if anyone is traded to edmonton if anyone is traded in a sports trade i mean just just think about that whatever job you have right now just imagine if one day you woke up and they were like hey we're sending you to Columbus, Ohio. We traded you for a couple of third-round picks. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. 
we should be fucking bending over backwards. Even if Warren Fogel scores zero goals, we should still be bending over backwards to just treat him with respect because he didn't fucking choose to come here. Like, in the same way, none of us chose to come here. We just showed up. We just showed up with a fucking button-down shirt and a plastic Safeway bag and a two-liter bottle filled with tap water being like, uh... I mean, I, I guess I'll just do what everyone else is doing. I'll just, like, I'll just become this, like, mechanical person. I feel like we exist in a world where what people want is to grasp and cling to whatever they can up to it including just shitting on other people just throwing them under the bus just walking out the door every morning grabbing another person and throwing them under the bus so you can feel a little bit better about yourself because the world is so fucked up you're so powerless you're you exist where there's so little choice there's so little truth there's so little actualization of anything that you say to yourself hey i can shit on darnell nurse i can shit on rob shrimp they fucking suck fuck them i'm gonna throw them under the bus like darnell nurse is great okay and shrimp like sure maybe he didn't have like a great nhl career but it sure as fuck didn't help that the entire edmonton media was just shitting on him the whole time like maybe you know what let's hazard a guess that if there was like a little bit of a, a noblesse oblige, a little bit of magnanimity, where it's just like, you know what, these, these are just people, they're just doing the best they can. Sure, we can criticize them, we don't have to ignore when they're struggling, but we also don't have to just attack them as human beings. I mean, like literally, we attack people as human beings. We say, hey, Kyler Yamamoto, you're short. You're really short. You're lesser as a hockey player and a human being because you're short. I'm sorry, but you can recognize the fact that being more diminutive, <laughs> to use a euphemism, affects a hockey player. You, you, you can point that out without being a fucking dick. Like, we're, we're way too quick to be dicks. There's way too much dickheadedness, you know? I mean, of course, most of it is on the male side, but, you know, dickheadedness is not necessarily limited to just uh, men, you know? Have you ever called a woman a dickhead? It's uh, kind of an interesting soci sociological experiment. Um, yeah, I mean, like, right now, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, um, plus question mark, are, are the current Hegelian figures that I see in uh, reality. I mean, I'm kind of curious uh, if, if all of you want to reach out. Let me know how much Hegel you've read. If you've ever read Hegel with a bagel. If you agree with the statement that uh, once you go Hegel, you never go back. I mean, like, I will just say by way of introductory remar remarks on the topic, as a layman, as someone just kind of reading a lot of this for the first time. I mean, I think there's been a huge conflict and a huge hypocrisy in a lot of philosophy and a lot of history and a lot of thinking about the human condition and certain people a long time i would argue aristotle i would argue hegel marx nietzsche martin luther Connor mcdavid 
Leon Dreisaitl, these are people who just come along and they say, hey, you know what? Like what you assumed was true for so long, what you assumed was true for so long is not true. And I'm going to show you. That's what a Hegelian figure does, okay? Their history on horseback, their history skating into the offensive zone at 100 miles an hour. And, and like, yeah, I mean, can you go around in life blaming Jack Campbell for X, Y, and Z? Sure. But I mean, like, you're married to Jack Campbell. Like, you married him, right? So why would you marry someone and then just immediately be like, hey, I want to pay you to go away? It's uh, It speaks to a lack of credible investment. A lack of credible commensurate investment in the relationship on your part you married jack campbell why can't you fucking support him a little bit i mean yeah we're we're not impressed with the save percentage right now we're not impressed with the state of worldwide economic distribution and the fact that motherfuckers worldwide can't get health care housing and just dignity i mean i don't know why that isn't an obvious thing that we should just all be striving for just that all people should just have dignity and fucking the basic necessities of life apparently that's a radical thought apparently that's really weird and fucked up thing to say apparently saying that you know i can both recognize when nugent hopkins is struggling and also generally respect him as a human being and not denigrate him uh for the purposes of uh falsely elevating my own status like come on these are all millionaire hockey players. Okay? Anyways. I'm kind of just going on like a crazy man now. I mean, do we really... Uh, are we ready to accept that uh, the reality is that... Uh, this is just a one weirdo with a microphone? I mean, let's, let's acknowledge that. Or let's re-acknowledge that. Again. Why should we ignore the reality of our feelings and experiences? Why should we bury all we feel? How long must we bury all we feel? Also, along the same kind of random Hegelian lines, I will say I'm more and more convinced that emotion and thought are not separate things. I think in five million years, in one thousand years, we're going to 
look back and say, wow, I can't believe they thought that emotion and thought were different things, that the emotional and the intellectual were not somehow connected under the same superstructure, that they were not the same, that they were not contained within the same superset. That's uh, that's what's been on my mind a lot lately. That's probably why uh, I'm recording at... Uh, what have we got? We're at 2.03 a.m. in the PST, recording out of the Don't Give an F studios. Been looking for work. I finished my contract. My contract in which I took way less money than I've made in years. In years to work at a major company ended up working for this guy that I knew from years ago from ancient history in the industry turned out to be the biggest asshole of like all time and he was my boss very sadly it was actually very uh, very distracting dealing with a sociopath that has power over you is possibly one of the most distracting things a human being can experience. Ultimately, it prob- probably like we should that should be avoided at all costs, both individually and structurally. I mean, I can't really advise you to avoid it structurally because none of us have any fucking power over the structure right now. But individually, yeah, it all kind of turned out okay. Yeah, but. The way my industry works, I mean, it's seasonal in the sense that hiring really slows down November, December. So I came really, really fucking close. I had like, I had gotten into the field and I picked up the giant watermelon and I was four interviews in and I felt like I had a good rapport with everyone in all four interviews. And I felt like most of my answers in all four interviews were pretty good. And I was just about to bite into that watermelon and they were like, you know what? We've decided to let someone else eat that watermelon dude and i was like oh that sucks now i'm gonna have to wait to get a job until fucking like four months from now thankfully it's heating up a little bit again cheers drink to that thank you universe grazie signore but uh it's fucked me up i'm a little fucked up i'm a little fucked up to borrow a term but i mean i'm doing like pretty good i think what i'm experiencing is is no more out of the ordinary than any generic run-of-the-mill midlife crisis, ultimately, if we're all being honest. But, you know, that's okay. If you want to have a midlife crisis, if you want to release a podcast and maybe not tell people the songs that you uh, clip in, just to piss them off and just for them to be like, dude, what the fuck, you played this song and it was like five minutes and I liked it. I was one of the I was one of the ten people that actually liked it, and I don't even know what the fuck it is. And I don't want to use Kazam. Is it Kazam? Shazam? Bazam? It's one of the Zams. Anyways, our intro was from uh, Kraftwerk. That's uh, from the album Tour de France. The name of that song is Chrono. That's the 2009 remaster. We also heard from uh, Devo, from the album Hardcore Devo from 1990. Mechanical Man. I mean, honestly, Devo's demos? Devo's demos are, like, so legit. It's, uh, it's pretty shocking. It's, it's pretty shocking that more bands don't just look at Devo and think to themselves, okay, 
clearly we just needed to kind of be a little bit more like Devo, just in our process, if not in our style. You know, they recorded and wrote like three, four albums worth of songs before they released the first one. They did a bunch of shows doing covers and, and doing versions of songs for years before they really started. Yeah, man. Uh, and then we heard from uh, Gilberto Gil, Reals. Gilberto Gil, one of uh, Brazil's most beloved individuals. Not really a lot of Brazilian hockey players. That that could be a really big deal. If that ever hap- if that ever happens, if we ever see the Brazilians kind of make a mark for themselves in hockey the way they have in uh, mixed martial arts. Although I'm not really into mixed martial arts. I mean, I'm into like punching people, of course. I mean, who doesn't love that? But I'm not really that into mixed martial arts. Um, anyways, uh, I hope you've all enjoyed this very weird and very disorienting and very kind of uh, concerning episode of uh, Dynasty Rule, which is what I'm going to call it for now. Feel free to uh, tweet me at podrule or at handkerchiefdy1 and let me know what you think of this uh, macabre creation this uh, kind of Island of Dr. Moreau-esque podcast. Uh, I hope uh, you all enjoyed it, though, and uh, feel free to reach out if you haven't uh, talked to me in a little while. I'm, uh, I'm kind of back. I'm, uh, I've left the cellar, you know, finally confident that the beatings have stopped or will stop, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, connecting with you all again post-hiatus. Um, like, I don't know if you know this, but in my experience, the post-hiatus is one of the finest times one can enjoy. We'll do a little outro here with uh, Devo doing a cover of Nine Inch Nails, Head Like a Hole.
I'm sure you thought the podcast was over. No, I was just psyching you out. It was a deception. It was a duplicity. It is It is 2.13 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And after drinking a little bit more of uh, no-name brand R Compliments Ginger Ale, also known in French as Soda Gingembre, I decided to keep on recording because, of course, I have not addressed all of the pressing needs that the podcast listeners have over so long a time. The Night Rule listeners are wondering, motherfucker, uh, how can you possibly comment on two years of uh, political news? The answer is I can't. Handkerchief Dynasty fans are asking, dude, you haven't even said the words Matthias Ekholm, okay? I will say to you, Oilers fans, and individuals at large, sometimes, whether you're heterosexual, such as myself, uh, or bisexual, or homosexual, or any other flower under the rainbow, when a big-bearded Viking who plays really physical, really physical, really just fucking pounds motherfuckers and, and makes them hurt and, and makes them pay and makes them fear. Someone who instills fear. Matthias Alcom is a Viking. I'm not the first to say it. David Staples has said it. Bruce McCurdy has said it. I imagine Bob Stoffer has said it. I think John Shannon, Ryan Rashog, Jason Strudwick, we've all said it. But the fact of the matter is, like, whether whatever your sexual orientation, when a big, beautiful, honorable Viking enters your life, what do you do, you know? You should just be grateful, okay? Don't buy into this bullshit about, oh, the Vikings are just invading and they're going to sack all of our monasteries on the English coast and they're going to they're gonna besiege Paris and we're going to have to recruit some of them to fortify Normandy to avoid further Viking... I mean, ah, it's the NHL, okay? Matthias Ekholm, honestly, like, more than even anyone else politically or socially right now, worldwide, Matthias Ekholm is a bigger deal and is gonna be a bigger deal than almost anyone else that people are talking about or paying attention to. And Oilers fans should be really lucky that, like, this, they traded away a first-round pick and a great prospect and a really great defenseman in Tyson Berry uh, to get uh, Matthias Ekholm because he's by far one of the biggest deals for the franchise in 15 to 20 years. No question, without a doubt. I love him. I love Ken Holland, the general manager, for getting him. I love the universe for providing me some modicum of consolatory, you know, balancing to make up for the fucked up of everything you know the the meanness and the cruelness and the, and the absurdity of the human experience i mean really like at this point i kind of am starting to think like human beings must be some kind of experiment because what other animal behaves this way like is there another animal in the animal kingdom that under ideal conditions behaves the way human beings do no therefore there's something fucking unnatural going on. I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, we're uh, technologically somewhat developed, spiritually completely non-developed at all, socially, economically. 
we got really uh, it's really fucked up it's really it's really shocking to me like does does a sparrow say to another sparrow like your sparrow kids shouldn't have a nest or food or the ability to fly to different trees and study the humanities if they want like what is it with the compromises that we all just accept every minute of every day like don't we ever get tired of i mean of course we do we all get tired of accepting the compromises we all get tired of accepting the fact that as much as we really want the oilers to just beat everyone every game they're still a little up and down right now you know evander kane still has not returned evander kane i I gotta be honest like i have no sympathy i have no i feel no compassion for sexual predators or sexual assaulters or people that do any of that kind of shit really i think they're terrible and i know evander kane has been accused of that i will say i think there's at least a decent chance that in my opinion in my judgment i mean honestly 98 95 percent of sexual assault reports and allegations turn out to be true and of course it's totally underreported it's shockingly rampant and epidemic and something that society at large has done fucking almost nothing to properly address something else about the fucked up world but i don't know i i kind of at this point i don't think evander kane i don't think evander kane like hit his baby that was one thing that he got accused of it was never proven of course but like i gotta be honest like i don't think evander kane hit his fucking baby guys i don't think evander kane hit his baby i think he's an imperfect individual who has probably been like a bit of a dick at times in his life at times in his life and he's probably been like probably a dick to like a romantic partner and i don't even think that he just he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would hit a woman oh my god i can't believe i'm even fucking going into this this is like (laughs) this is controversial everybody it's 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 very paradoxical though because in spite of the fact that I feel that sexual assault and violence is grossly and horrifically underreported and under under like like misunderstood in our society, I mean, I it's like so much else. Maybe it's partially an expression of I don't know. It's one of those things you don't want to talk about. You're you're reluctant to bring up because you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't want to disrespect anybody's experience and you don't want to seem unsympathetic but I'll I'll stand by the fact that I will say in my opinion you know 95 98 99% of people that res- re- report sexual assault sexual violence are telling the truth but there's still a small percentage a very small and and some might say insignificant I would argue not insignificant percentage of people that are you know misreporting and you know there's no no one gender no one identity no one group has a monopoly on being duplicitous or or lying or being an imperfect human being and i want to somehow find a way to thread the needle of saying look guys i totally do not want to downplay or minimize or obscure or obfuscate 
the rampant and really horrible sexual violence that's going on in our society at large and the imperative need to address it head on and improve and and have the courage to accept the fact that something that we don't feel comfortable talking about generally is nevertheless something that we need to talk about and address and understand and appreciate the effect that it has on people's fucking lives and experience and consciousness and hearts and souls and being their being is being affected everybody so i want to say all that while still being able to say look i think evander kane's actually like i don't think he's a bad guy i actually think he's actually a pretty good guy and i think it's really hard to be an athlete in his shoes and yeah there's probably a whole bunch of fucking messy shit that happened in a relationship i don't know like based on what i've seen but it's really hard to say that it's really hard to say hey this is the one percent time where someone was accused falsely hey this is the one percent of the time where my pocket kings and this poker hand in texas hold them are not going to fucking stress me the fuck out the entire time. Okay? This is the one time that a Democratic politician in the United States actually proclaimed progressive credentials while actually following up on them and being real. We're human beings, and, like, the things that exist at the 5 to 1% level... I'm sorry, but, like, you can't ignore that in the long term. In the long term... You ignore that shit, all of a sudden your calendar is six months off, motherfuckers. And, like, that's what our society is right now. Our entire society is is veered years and years off of the actual true solar calendar of reality. Okay? Hence, I've decided to record again. I've decided to record again in honor of the great uh, Hegelian uh, universal spirit that is eking to survive and uh, excrete itself from the horrific corpse that is the world that we're born into. Um, Yeah. 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 Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. If you know me, be like, hey, this is what I think. If you don't know me, look at the moon and send me your thoughts via the astral plane. I mean, like, it's 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 not empirically proven as a thing, but it's possible that something could happen. You know, it's possible that you could hear a band from the Roxy by Crass for the first time, and it could change your life. In a lot of ways, almost anything is possible, as long as you don't subject yourself to the grudging comedy the grudging social contract that uh sadly us uh human beings are uh currently entangled in i'm a mechanical man Class. Who the fuck 
seat of our pants here we're really we're jumping without a net okay there's no uh blueprint here we have no recipe we're not respecting the incredible chemical nature of baking here we're at 2 27 a.m pacific standard time dynasty rule first ever dynasty rule let me know, uh, fans, if you think that this combination of the podcast is uh, a monstrosity. If you think it's a crime against nature, let me know at PodRule and at HangerChiffD11. If it's a crime against nature, please tweet at me. Please utilize the platform that is uh, most in decline. The decline of Twitter is actually shockingly tragic. Like, Twitter, along with most social media, is ultimately at its best bullshit and at its worst demonic um still i mean we're 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 living in a world where there's a dearth of spaces that would at least in some fashion closely approximate the public square and to a certain extent i mean it's interesting to look at the the field of journalism really one of the one of the most awe-inspiring, one of the most transfixing elements of the degradation of our overall society is the hatred of uh, journalists. And look, I'm going to be honest, my opinion of journalists are very similar to my opinion of uh, poets, okay? 99.9% of poetry, totally worthless, totally useless, total waste of time totally unimportant, totally just an expression of misguided principles. But that, the rest of it, that last little bit, incredibly important, incredibly effective, incredibly evocative, and incredibly critical to at least the theory, at least the idea, at least the preconception that human beings can actually organize themselves in a rational, moral, ethical, and, and dignified manner. I mean, history kind of hitherto has not indicated that. And I'm not super hopeful that that's actually the case. But if it was the case, you know what? Like, there, there needs to be a statue of someone sometimes. There needs to be a statue of fucking... I mean, whatever you have to say about uh, Ellsberg and... Who's the other uh, Watergate guy? I mean, honestly, I would put up a statue to Ryan fucking Grimm, as far as I'm concerned. Like, if, 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 if your society does not at least include the possibility of putting up a statue to celebrate and recognize the importance and the integrity and the effort and the work and the resilience of a Ryan Grimm, I don't think your society's worth that much i think your society needs to do a little bit better if it's not at least open to the possibility of building a statue to a ryan Grimm or a journalist who has actually said hey everybody check it out here's actually the real world this is different than the bullshit that 
the majority of people are telling you right now. Like, journalism is in short supply. And it was in short supply before there was this extended and intensified attack on it. I mean, private ownership and neoliberalism destroyed much of journalism prior to the last five years where, like, literally people just believe whatever they fucking read on Facebook now. I mean, yes, a certain percentage of people, if they got an email from a Nigerian prince, from a Nigerian prince who wanted to utilize their bank account to transfer their dynastic funds, a certain percentage of people believe that. But, like, what's the percentage of people that believe whatever the fuck they read on Facebook or whatever they see on YouTube or whatever they read on whatever now. Like, are human beings actually being equipped with some really standard and easy-to-understand tools to, like, recognize things like propaganda, scams, um, rhetoric? Uh, Why are we educating people? Like, why is it so fucking hard to just give people a heads up and be like, hey, you know what? Once in a while, someone's going to try and sell you some bullshit NFTs. And they're going to talk to you in a certain way that is emblematic and completely consistent with a long tradition of chicanery. Why can we not learn from that long tradition of chicanery and say, you know what? If someone tells you these NFTs are going to make them a lot of money, if someone tells you this person of a different background is the root of all your problems, that's bullshit. And they're utilizing completely run-of-the-mill, completely predictable, completely easy-to-spot techniques. I mean, if someone says, hey, this hockey player has like a shitty defensive game, oh, 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 yeah, they have the skill to, like, score a ball. They can't. They don't have the will to defend. They're too dumb to defend. They're not big enough to defend. They're not trying hard enough to defend. Like, fuck you, man. Are you out there trying hard enough to defend? Are you out there fucking trying to, like, do all this shit amidst this, like, crazy, willy-nilly, psychotically random fucking quantum physics of, like, I mean, there but for the grace of God go you, sir. You want to criticize Kylie Yamamoto for not being everything you should be? Like, are you everything you should be? Is anyone writing a fucking article, uh, posting on a blog, posting on Twitter, posting on their Facebook, texting to a friend saying, oh, you're not everything you should be? And it's very easy. It's very easy to pull other people down because you're down. And we're all down. We're all fucking down. We're all down. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. We are all down. I mean, both in the sense of being depressed and also in the sense of being up for an alternative. We're both depressed and we're both down to figure out a way to overcome that collective depression. That's the state of humanity right now, writ large. That's the state of uh, Oilers fandom right now. Like, why? Don't worry. Just stop fucking worrying, everybody. We've got Ekholm now. 
We've got Bukestad. I'm shocked that Bukestad is from North America. I saw the name Bukestad and I assumed Finnish or Swedish or Swiss or something. 10 and 10 in the face-off circle. I mean, like, so Bukestad went 10 and 10 in the face-off, face-off circle last game. Does that mean everyone's going to give him a pass eight months from now when he has a bad game? Or are they going to be like, oh, Bukestad, Bukestad, Bukestad? Like, come on. Like, uh, you can criticize people. You can recognize the facts of results without also pretending like you're fucking better than someone else. Pretending like you know more than someone else. Like, nobody's infallible. I'm sorry, the Pope, not infallible. Dr. Manhattan, not infallible. Media figures, not infallible. Politicians, certainly not infallible. Podcasters, very fallible. I'm actually glad. I'm glad that this podcast which I've now combined, my two podcasts are now one, a kind of uh, disgusting hybrid. Probably unlikely to produce any kind of viable progeny of its own. But I'm really glad my podcasts have been complete failures because it's allowed me to embrace a certain, the spiritual purity of abject failure. The, The spiritual purity of knowing that There are literally like 20 to 40 people that might ever listen to this. And that's okay, okay? That's okay. If there's only ever 40 people that listen to Dynasty Rule, is that what it's called now? There's only ever that many people? Fine. Fine. That's okay. I'll just dig ditches. And I won't... I won't be compromised by the success that this podcast could possibly have. Because you see that all the time. People have podcasts, they get successful, and then immediately they become assholes. I mean, if they're lucky, they resist the, the, the power of the, they resist the evil of the ring of power. But not everyone can. And in fact, the percentages are, are very, very low. I would say, you know, Bill Burr is up there. Chapo Trap House doing a pretty good job of resisting the ring of evil. Doing a, a very good job. I would say commendable. Definitely cheering for them. But like, think about it. If you're if you're a motherfucker that has a podcast and it's successful, how do you not become complacent within the within the enveloping blanket that 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 beautiful acknowledgement of that success? Like, it's uh, I'm kind of most I'm kind of joking. I'm kind of not. It's hard to tell these days. It's very hard to tell. Um, in any case, this has gone on for a very long time. Um, I'm uh, impressed and concerned at the length. But uh, what can you do? We're going to roll out here with a little bit of Marty Robbins, one of my favorites. Uh, the name of this track is uh, The Master's Call. Have a uh, lovely day, slash evening, slash afternoon, slash day slash week slash year slash lifetime everybody if you never listen to this shitty podcast again go about your life enjoying it as much as possible see you play when i was but a young man i was wild and full of fire a youth within my teens but full of challenge and desire 
I ran away from home and left my mother and my dad. I know it grieved them so to think their only boy was bad. I fell in with an outlaw band, their names were known quite well. How many times we robbed and plundered, I could never tell. This kind of sinful living leads only to a fall. I learned that much and more the night I heard my master call. One night we rustled cattle, a thousand head or so, and started them out on the trail that leads to Mexico. But a norther started blowing, and lightning flashed about. I thought someone was calling me, I thought I heard a shout. Then at that moment, lightning struck not twenty yards from me. And left there was a giant cross where once there was a tree. And this time I knew I heard a voice, a voice so sweet and strange. A voice that came from everywhere, a voice that called my name. So frightened I was thinking of sinful deeds I'd done. I failed to see the thousand head of cattle start to run. The cattle they stampeded were running all around. My pony ran but stumbled and it threw me to the ground. I felt the end was near, that death would be the price. When a mighty bowl of lightning showed the face of Jesus Christ. And I cried, oh Lord, forgive me, don't let it happen now. I want to live for you alone, oh God, these words I vow. My wicked past unfolded, I thought of wasted years. When another bowl of lightning killed a hundred head of steers. And the others rushed on by me, and I was left to live. The master had a reason life is his to take or give. A miracle performed that night, I wasn't meant to die. The dead ones formed a barricade, at least six or seven high. Right behind it there was I, afraid but safe and sound. I cried and begged for mercy, kneeling there upon the ground. A pardon I was granted, my sinful soul set free. No more to fear the angry waves upon life's stormy sea. Forgiven by the love of God, a love that will remain. I gave my life and soul the night the Savior called my name. Psych. All right, bonus. Secret room. Secret hidden area. Top secret area to the Dynasty Rule podcast. We're going to read in the uh, epilogue here from the Penguin Classics, The Upanishads, page 49, the Isa Upanishad. Hope you're all doing very well. Much love. Sending out all my love to you. Just checking in on you. The Penguin Classics, Upanishads, translations from the Sanskrit with an introduction by Juan Mascaro, page 49, the Isa Upanishad. Behold the universe in the glory of God, and all that lives and moves on the earth. Leaving the transient, find joy in the eternal. Set not your heart on another's possession. Working thus, one may wish for a life of a hundred years. 
Only actions done in God bind not the soul of man. There are demon-haunted worlds, regions of utter darkness. Whoever in life denies the spirit falls into that darkness of death. The spirit, without moving, is swifter than the mind. The senses cannot reach it. The spirit is ever beyond them. Standing still, the spirit overtakes those who run. To the ocean of the spirit's being, the spirit of life leads the streams of action. The spirit moves and moves not. The spirit is far and it is near. The spirit is within all and the spirit is outside all. Who sees all beings in their own self and whose own self in all beings loses all fear? When a sage sees this great unity and their self has become all beings, what delusion and what sorrow can ever be near him? It's a good question. It's a really good question. All right, in reality, we're going to end here. We're going to hope we don't get a DCMA. This is uh, Peace Cells, the uh, 2004 remaster by uh, a band that we all should know and love uh, very well, a band that is, uh, as much as any, a tribute to the human spirit. So uh, I'm not going to psych you out this time. I'm going to thank you all for listening and uh, wish you well. Catch you uh, very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Alright.